Hey everyone, we appreciate you listening. We'll get into the show in a bit, but just want to mention, go check out our Twitter page, at Midcourt Madness, for all of our show updates, as well as some breaking news tweets. Also, check out our website, where we post all of our writing at midcourtmadness.wordpress.com. Here's the show. On today's Midcourt Madness, we are previewing the Big 12 Conference. Iowa State and Kansas State are both flying high, as they can still celebrate that they are still in the best conference in college basketball. With Baylor cutting down the nets a year ago, what was the big story of the Big 12 offseason? Transfers. They might be able to claim having the most talent transfers coming in as both Kansas and Texas loaded up on them and will pace this conference while other teams like Oklahoma State and Texas Tech will look to challenge them. Let's get into it. All right, Biggs, let's get into this. Um, I think we can each agree that there's two teams that can be classified in the Tier 1 as teams that can actually win it all this year, which is Kansas and Texas. Which team would you say, would you put ahead of the other? I would put Kansas ahead of of Texas at this point just because I, I think Kansas has a higher floor. Texas just has so many moving pieces, and it's they got. We talked about it all off season, right? I mean, they have a transfer from Minnesota, Vanderbilt, UMass, Utah, Creighton, Kentucky. They had so many transfers, guys coming in that that it's just it's an entirely new team. So much that it's just hard to envision all of those pieces coming together right away. Uh, I think their ceiling is probably higher. Where talk, talk to me, maybe in March, I I, I guess. I guess I think Texas is the more likely team that to maybe win a championship, and I know that's what you asked before. I think Kansas is more likely maybe to win the conference because maybe their their continuity probably allows them to maybe not drop a game that that Texas might. I think both teams that you know I think Kansas is less likely to lose to a team that it shouldn't lose to because of the continuity. I'm stumbling through my words. Does that make sense yeah. to you? What do you think? Yes, yes, you're making perfect sense actually because. You talk about continuity. Kansas does have guys returning. Oshai Abaji, Jalen Wilson, David McCormick, Christian Braun. All were starters last year. All four of those guys. They lose Marcus Garrett. That's their one starter that they lose. And then, you know, they just add sort of some filler pieces, right? They add in a Remy Martin to fill in at point guard for Marcus Garrett. They add in a Joseph Yosefu, who... He could push Christian Brown out of that starting lineup. That, that, that would be my guess, or he just comes off the bench. They add in Jalen Coleman-Lands, who probably will come off the bench, but he you know, averaged 14 points per game. And then they get a D2 transfer named Cam Martin from Missouri Southern, who averaged 24 points per game a year ago also. And an interesting stat for you here, Biggs. Um, I was looking at just their points per game from guys on their roster this year who also played last year, so basically excluding freshmen. And I'll preface this by bringing up that Cam Martin again, that he averaged 24 points per game at a D2 school. But if you just add up all their points per game from guys who are who actually played college basketball a year ago, do you want to know what it adds up to? Math has never been my strength, John. You know this, so okay. tell me. 125 points per game. That's going to win you a lot of ball games if you can score that many <laughs> points. <laughs> But when I saw that, that just intrigued me big time. Yeah, that, that gets your ears perked up. That's a lot of points. Um, no, you're right. Kansas does have, oddly enough, I mean, that was kind of one of the things last year that it felt like sometimes held them back was that their defense was awesome, right? And 
Marcus Garrett was one of the best perimeter defenders in the country. Uh, Oshaya Baji, a solid defender. Brown's okay defensively. I mean, their defense has been really, really good the last couple of years, but sometimes their offense would get stuck in the mud, and, and I think a lot of it was probably because of Garrett not being a particularly strong scoring option on the perimeter. Um, so so I think, and I think you're right, now it's like they've got all this firepower. Adding Martin and Yasufu both are, are really solid kind of on-ball guards who can create their own offense at the end of the shot clock. They might not be as good defensively because of those two guys, but I think there's a lot more juice. You got, you talk about Coleman Lands, who's another guy who can who could just that 14 a game is is kind of an empty calories 14 a game for a terrible Iowa State team. But if he can just be a gunner off the bench, come down and knock a couple shots in 12 to 15 minutes, that that's a that's a that's a useful role. Right? I mean, they've got a ton now of of potential scoring threats all, all over the floor. You're right. I think their offense is going to be explosive. Yeah. And, you know, in addition to all that, we talked about everyone who is returning or transferring in. They do also have three four-star freshmen coming in who are all top 100 guys. Um, Zach Clements, a center, KJ Adams, a power forward, and Bobby Pettiford, a point guard. Um, I don't think they'll be relied on a lot this season just because they have, even without those guys, they have a pretty solid 10-man rotation. Um, at worst-case scenario, an eight-man rotation, which is really all that you need. So I don't think they'll be relied on a lot. And if you look at last year, I think their same like, – if you remember last year, they got blown out by USC because – a lot of it because of the size of USC. And Kansas typically does play, you know, that one big four-guard lineup. And looks like they might be doing that again. looks like Jalen Wilson will probably slot, slot in at the four most of the time. Cam Martin is a power forward, so he'll help out, but I don't think he's going to be starting. Mitch Lightfoot is always there as another big body, but he's just... Has he been in college forever, that Lightfoot? I feel like he's been at Kansas for, like... He, he's He's got to be a super senior. A super duper senior. I mean, man alive, yeah. that guy I feel like has been there, and he's had the same kind of role forever. He's just kind of an okay bench guy, and he has one game a year where it's like, whoa, Mitch Lightfoot, 12 points in, 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 uh, in relief of their big guy who got in foul trouble. I swear to God yeah. he's been there forever. Yep, and so if I have to nitpick this team just a little bit and give sort of somewhere that they could sort of get exposed come tournament time, it would be that they don't have a ton of size, and it's sort of similar to last year. Yeah, I, I would have said that. I would have agreed with you probably. I mean, how many teams can can take advantage of that lack of size? I think they do have okay size. I mean, McCormick is a – in the second half of the year, he was he was pretty good for them. I thought Early in the year, I thought, why is this kid – this kid hurts them. Like he gets the ball. I don't remember who they were playing. It might've been Creighton early in the year where God, every time he touches it, he shoots it. He fades away. I mean, he's a big, strong looking kid. Right. And he just, he would take these fadeaways, these long shots. It's like, this guy is killing them inside. And, and everybody's been talking about him being a breakout candidate for like two years. And then the second half of the year, it, it, it seems like it clicked for him and, and he was really solid. You know, if, if he can, if he can have a good solid senior year, he's a, he's a quality in the paint kind of guy. Wilson's like 6'8", 230. You know, he's more of a perimeter kind of stretch kind of guy. But, I mean, he's kind of the ideal college foreman now. So, I mean, now he is. But if he does, if they do get a bad matchup like they did last year against USC, you know. Yeah. It, it, it would present a problem for them for sure. I would agree with that. If you run into a team with with the kind of size that USC had, I just, I don't, there's, how many teams are there that are, that can do that? I don't know if there's just many of them really. Right. So. I think I think the one thing I would worry about, honestly, it, it might be one of their strengths, but it also could be something that that I could see being a weakness. Is uh, Remy Martin is like, 
I don't know. He he's good, but I'm a little worried. Like if, if he has the keys to your car, I mean, we saw it at, at Arizona State. Like he he can put up some big time counting stats and, and he pumps up shots with the best of them. But I don't know. He's he's kind of empty calories a little bit too. And I, I'm average just three point three point seven assists per game a year ago. That's they probably want more than that out of that spot, right? Yeah, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, he, he scored 19 a game, but I mean, what's I mean, he takes 17 shots a game, he's going to get 19. So, can he? Can you? Can Bill? I guess do you trust Bill Self to get the good out of Remy Martin and kind of mitigate the bad, maybe better than than Hurley did? Uh, I would I would trust him too, but I guess that's something that'll that I'll be keeping my eye on. Yep. Okay. Should we uh, go over to the other tier one team here, Biggs? We should. Okay. Tell me about Texas. They're loaded. I mean, Chris Beard uh, is the head coach now. They hired him away from Texas Tech, the conference-on-conference crime there. And, boy, he wasted uh, very little time. You know, it used to be where a coach would, would get hired and, like, that that first year would be would be year zero, right? they got to get all their guys in first. Chris Beard was like, yeah, if that's if that's the thing, like, uh, I'm going to light that on fire and just get a ton of guys. He just basically got every big-time transfer. I mean, he got Marcus Carr. Dylan DeSue from Vanderbilt, Trey Mitchell from UMass, Timmy Allen from Utah, Christian Bishop from Creighton. These guys are all double-figure scores, all conference guys at like quality programs or, or at least like in quality conferences. Maybe not great teams, but, but all in Marcus Carr out of Minnesota. That's in the Big Ten. DeSue from Vanderbilt, a bad Vanderbilt team in the SEC though. Trey Mitchell from UMass in, in a pretty good A-10. Timmy Allen from the Pac-12. He's from Utah. Bishop is uh, is from Creighton in the Big East. I mean, all these guys are coming from big co- – so it's not a bunch of guys coming from the Southern Conference, right, or the Ohio right. Valley or something. These guys are coming from major college teams, and it's a it's it's basically just like a blank canvas of a roster in terms of what, what their roles are all going to be. Um, so can Chris Beard be master chemist and, and put it all together, basically, like Calipari does at Kentucky every year with freshmen? That's what – it almost feels a little Kentucky-like, except they're all – juniors and seniors rather than freshmen. Yeah. And, you know, you talked about those guys transferring. The only one who you could say is maybe a transfer up is Trey Mitchell. All the other ones are from power six. And then, you know, a 10 is one of our sort of mid major. Yeah. Mid major ones. So he's the closest thing to a transfer up, but I feel like with, if you're a transfer up and you're someone who's going to have almost like maintain those stats the most, you're going to be a big guy. I feel like those are the ones who are most likely to maintain their stats and not fall victim to the 70% rule. Yeah, I mean, and Trey Mitchell, I mean, I don't. the transfer portal was just like always moving and shifting and shaking all season anyway. But like if there would have, if they would have all been in one giant pot all at the same time, I mean, Trey Mitchell would have been a five-star transfer. Right, Marcus Carr would have been probably a five-star transfer. DeSue would have probably been a high four-star transfer. Timmy Allen probably a five. Like if we're if we're assigning like recruiting star rankings to all these transfers, they got some of the best ones. I mean Trey Mitchell, even if he's coming from UMass, is a high major talent player. You know, I I have I don't know if he's going to average nineteen and seven or something just because there's so many mouths to feed. But like I have no doubt that he'll be he'll be fine, um, fitting in and and making an impact in the Big Twelve. And then, so, you know, I actually just did sort of my same, like the little stat I gave you for Kansas. I just did the same thing with uh, Texas here. 121 points per game. I was going to say, as you were doing the Kansas one, I was trying to add it up with Texas. And I, yeah, I was right around that 120 mark. It's like, my gosh. I mean, that, and these guys are all high major guys. They're not getting 25 from a D2 kid. Yeah. And then just sort of for a little comparison, let's just go to Kansas State. 80. Which, honestly, that's more than I thought, considering they scored 60 points per game a year ago. But 
Maybe I should get off this little stat a little bit. Maybe it's not as impressive as I think. No, I think it's still. I mean, 125 is pretty darn good. That's a lot of points. 120 points from returning guys. I mean, that is a ton. But that also, does that also potentially highlight a uh, a pitfall? Marcus Carr is not going to average 19 points a game at Texas again. D'Souza is not going to average 15 a game like he did at Vanderbilt. Timmy Allen is not going to get 17 a game because he's playing on a good team now. Are are these guys going to have to take backseat roles? And are they okay with that? Yeah, like they're leading scorer could average 12 points per game. This could be Florida State for you. Where they how, have many all teams, these guys. how many teams could be Florida State for us? I feel like <laughs> we go to that well a lot. Florida State just does a lot of little things, like all like the little cliches you think of Florida State does. I do love that, yeah. Some moles. <laughs> uh, but just looking at a roster construction, you know, we talked about there's six guys transferring in. In addition to that, they have two returning guards in Courtney Ramey and Andrew Jones. I tend to think both of those are sort of going to be – they're going to be starting right away just because they are the leading guy, or not leading guys, the returning guys. And then after that, it's going to be tough to see. You know, I think – I don't think either one of Ramey or Jones is a point guard. So either Carr or Askew is going to start. I think Trey Mitchell is, going, is really the only center, so he's going to start. And then probably I could see them going with a small forward, so either Timmy Allen or Christian Bishop at the four spot. Yeah, I, I would bet they go with probably, I mean, they go 10 deep, 11 deep. Wow. Um, they go 10 and a half deep. I mean, I guess I don't even know. It doesn't probably matter who starts versus who finishes. But I would bet you're going to see Carr, Ramey, and Jones in kind of a three-guard lineup a lot. Trey Mitchell is, him or Bishop is probably your big man. I know Bishop transferred from Creighton because he wanted to get away from playing that center role. Um, I, I think he's probably, in their best lineup, is probably going to be him or Mitchell in that spot. And then, yeah, probably probably Timmy Allen, I would bet, or or just, I mean, I mean, remember when Kentucky had that team in 2015, I think it was, where they would, like, legit platoon just, like, five in, yep. five out, like a seventh-grade yep. basketball team does? Yep. I could see Texas doing that. I mean, it, it's going to be, like, te- the Texas the Texas first five versus, like, you know, the Texas shirts team versus the Texas skins team in practice is going to be, like, legit. Yeah. They probably have pennies and stuff like that, but let's just – Shirts and skins, you know, let's go old school. <laughs> yeah, they're going to have a lot of talent to mesh, but, you know, I think we talked about this in the offseason. Do we trust many other people besides Chris Beard to lead this team? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't. I think Chris Beard's one of the best coaches in the country, and, and I think he is one of the coaches best equipped to to handle this kind of thing. He has the the uh, the junior college background, the where he coach in, the, like the NBA, not in the D League, but like he coached in like the – one of their weird, like, kind of, like, I don't know, like, not in Europe either, but he coached in some sort of weird, like, uh, you know, junior college league, and, and maybe he did coach in the in the D league back in the day before it was the G league, where where the roster turnover and stuff is is crazy. You don't know who's playing on on what night because guys are always kind of coming and going. So I tend to think he is one of the more flexible and adaptable coaches, and he did that with Texas Tech. He did a great job mixing in transfers all the time. So. Mixing in this many transfers is going to be an interesting undertaking, but uh, that's why I tend to think, uh, you know, it's going to be really interesting. I think the beginning of the year Texas is going to be really, really different than the Texas we see, you know, six months from now heading into, uh, well, five months from now, really heading into March. Okay. So, yeah, let's, uh, let's get into some of these teams who we think could sort of burst their way into that Tier 1 but are more of a Tier 2 team. And I know you have my show notes, so you know which teams I have as tier two. But which team? And I think we're. I think we've talked about this. So we're gonna. I think we're gonna have the same team in in mind here. But which team do you think is the next in line? 
Well, the team I've got is Oklahoma State. Yep, that's who I have too. Nice. I'm glad that I'm glad that you. Well, no, maybe I'm not. Do we want? Do we want to have the same stuff? I kind of yes. like that we're on the same wavelength, but I also kind of like wanting to want to argue. But you know, whatever. Um, okay. I've got Oklahoma State. I I think Oklahoma State. They they showed just so much last year in those couple of games late in the year where Cunningham or Kid Cunningham was out. So many teams like the the national kind of narrative about Oklahoma State and during like the draft, you know. People circle jerk over Kid Cunningham like crazy because he's going to be the number one pick. He's the top prospect. People love their five star freshman. We live in this culture now where we absolutely just we need a superstar. We need an individual player to cheer for because uh, we don't care about teams. We care about individual players, especially in basketball. There was more. It was not just the Cade Cunningham and friends show. Um, statistics may look that way because he averaged twenty, and then they had a bunch of guys in like the eight to twelve range. Uh, they had a really good team. I'm telling you, these guys. They had they had good players on that team, and they and they had a couple of really good wins without him late in the year. I think they beat West Virginia maybe at one point late in the season without him. They played somebody else I think pretty tough without him. They've got guys who know how to play. It's not just like we shit our pants every time Kid Cunningham is not on the floor. And, and I think all those guys are going to break out and have bigger roles this year. And, I mean, I, I'm excited for that team. I think it's going to be really good. Now, what's the deal with them? Are they going to be allowed to be in the tournament? Do you know? Um, Would they do that? Because, like, it was a talk all last year that maybe they're just pushing it off, pushing it off, because Cade Cunningham was, you know, really their most marketable athlete last mm-hmm. year. So why would they not have him in the tournament? That would be so NCAA to do that, though. Yeah, I'm curious if... If that's I didn't even gonna, think of that. That's going to hurt them. Yeah, I didn't the think only that. thing that I think about in terms of could that be kind of a rain on the the OK State parade a little bit? Is are yeah. they allowed to be in the tournament? I haven't heard anything about it, so I guess I'm just assuming it's it's no longer a thing. And I don't know. Does the NCAA feels like the NCAA is just like you know what? Screw it. We don't really care about anything anymore. Once they once they went with the name image like this, they're like you know what? Ugh, whatever. Everything. Yeah. All bets are off with everything. Who cares? I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, but let's just let's just treat this as if they are qual- or eligible for the tournament. And you know, maybe they would have been better off a year ago cuz I remember last year the 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 bracket comes out and the, one of the first matchups I see or possible matchups was um Illinois Oklahoma State. Cade Cunningham against Iowa DeSumo. in the Sweet 16. Yeah. In the Sweet 16 and then the Oklahoma State gets beat by Oregon State. Um, I think they're just a little confused because they're both OSU and they're both black and orange. They do have similar colors. You're right. And so yes. are the rims. So that probably yes. threw them off. And yeah, the it really threw them off. So, And honestly, who knows? Maybe Oklahoma State actually won and you just didn't know. And then Oregon State's just like, okay, we'll continue on. Could have been. Could have been. I mean, that whole tournament was just weird. Remember, the games were on like – there were games on like Saturdays and Sundays and then Tuesdays. and There weren't they, fans for everything. some of them. Yeah, no yeah. fans. So, like, I, it was just kind of – you know, if your team sucked last year, throw it out. Last year didn't count. If your team was really good, then it mattered. But those are the rules. It Except if you're Duke, you have to – that, yeah, that, that happened, Duke. Yeah, you got to wear exactly. that. Yep. Um, but or, Oklahoma State is an intriguing team. You know, their big sort of returner, the guy who sort of stepped into that role when Cade Cunningham was injured was Avery Anderson. And he continued it, you know, even with Cade Cunningham in the lineup and had a ha, had a good tournament. You know, they have some key uh, key role players. They have Isaac Likely. And I'm not even sure if I'm saying that right. Is it Likely? It is. Yep, Likely. What's up What's up? the extra KE in the middle there? Yeah, I don't I, I don't know. It's Likely. Yeah. <laughs> 
I don't know. I, I like it though. Lick a Kelly. Yeah. Um, no Kelly. Caleb. <laughs> Caleb and Kalen Boo and Rondo Walker, um, Bryce Williams, Matthew Alexander Moncrief, all returning role players. But where it gets interesting is they have two, or they actually have like four trenches in. But two interesting ones in Bryce Thompson and Musa Cisse, who are going to be sophomores this year, both former five-star recruits who just didn't really find their footing a year ago. So they really have two sort of, you know, if you think of like breakout candidates for a team, it's those like second-year five-star guys who didn't do much their freshman year. Yeah, I I could absolutely see. And I think what's nice about this is that I don't, think they absolutely need both those guys to break out in order for them to be good. I, I think, mm-hmm. I think they can be good. Even if, even if Bryce Thompson comes in and really doesn't give them much other than maybe like a little punch off the bench, like he did with Kansas, uh, Matthew Alexander Moncrief's another guy who I think um, I, I could, I could see him being a, uh, being a starter and he averaged nine and five last year. I could see that number pumping up to like 14, 15 a game. I mean, he was, he was awesome off the bench for them last year. And he's a, he's a really athletic kind of rangy swing man from Canada. Um, he was a really good player. At this. <laughs> oh, that felt good. <laughs> I mean, he's he's a really solid piece for them. And, and so I could see, I mean, you have Anderson, likely, who's kind of more of a point guard. He's, he's a big body, kind of a combo guard type. Anderson's more of a, he's kind of another combo guard. And then Moncrief, that, that gives you a pretty steady perimeter trio. Rondell Walker was good off the bench last year. So it's like anything you get out of Thompson, it's kind of it's kind of a cherry on top, right? And and you're right, he was a five star guy who Kansas. It's you just don't see high level five star guys, particularly guards, go in there and just light it up right away. I've I've seen other guys who go into that system for some reason. I think Bill Self runs a pretty controlled kind of rigid system, and and I think it's hard sometimes for those five star guys coming from that AAU culture where they have a, a certain style of play uh, to adapt to that. I, I wonder if Mike. Uh, if Mike Boynton's system is a little more free flowing, open kind of world, allowing Thompson to do more things that he's comfortable with. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he does, but I don't think they need him to. Uh, and then Cissé, I do think he, he, I think he's a little more important because if you have him and Boone inside as kind of a duo, you don't have to play as small. I mean, they played really small last year and, and Cissé could give them a little more traditional size. Um, they've got flexibility though. I, I really like this team. Yeah, I do too. Um, the next team I got here, Biggs, is Texas Tech, who, you know, they ended up losing in the tournament to Arkansas in the second round, which, you know, did go to, according to Chalk. But if I looked at this team, like, early year, I would have expected them. I would have had higher expectations for this team a year ago. They had so much talent at the guard position. Um, Mac McClung, I just enjoyed watching him play because he's so athletic. But, you know, they so they lose Mac McClung. They lose Kyler Edwards to Houston, who is another one of the guards. You know, they get Kevin McCullers back. He spent some time with injury a year ago. They get Davion Warren transferring from Hampton, who averaged 21 points per game. Kevin O'Banner is really their big um, addition this year. He transfers from, over from Oral Roberts, you know, the second fiddle to uh, Max Acemas, but very, very talented in his own right. Uh, TJ Shannon's returning. One one guy I'm intrigued by is Sadar Calhoun transferring him from Florida State, which we're back on Florida State already. Wow. But he averaged five points points per game for them. But like you know, we always talk about, it, they play like twelve guys, so five points per game is really not all that bad. Uh, I, uh, oh, go ahead. No, I, I'm with you. I think I think Calhoun is another one of those guys too, who was one of the top rated 
junior college recruits two years ago. And I, I always just kind of think it's it's kind of a rule where those JUCO guys need that first year to kind of readapt. It's like they're freshmen, you know, and it takes them maybe a little time to to adjust to a new thing. And um, I could see him having have, having a really good role for them because he got limited minutes at Florida State, but he's another one of those big kind of physical two-way kind of wings who can who can shoot it a little bit. He gets into your face defensively. He's just a good energy guy who, I mean, he, you know, I think Shannon and McCuller are going to log a lot of those minutes on the wings, but I think he could, he could kind of group with them and give them some interesting kind of small ball lineups. Yeah. And just a couple other guys, um, Adonis arms is a transfer from Winthrop, which great name, by the way, I love the name Adonis arms. I do too. Um, I love that. You better be yoked if your name's Adonis arms though, right? Exactly. I, and I don't even know if he is, to be honest. Um, a, Bryson Williams, and then have you ever watched Last Chance You on Netflix? I haven't, but I, I hear it's good. Okay, so you know, they started off, I think they did like three or four seasons with where, with it being football. And the most recent one that they had was basketball, and they followed around East L.A. College. And one of their players, K.J. Allen, who was just a freak athlete, averaged, I think, 18 points per game there. And I want to say I want to say he transferred to U.S. I think he was at USC last year. I don't know if he actually played very much, but he's at Texas Tech now, and he's just small forward, just a athletic freak, um, averaged a lot in, in JUCO ball, but could be an interesting piece coming off the bench here. So is and Texas then, Tech last chance you then, or it, for him? Or where where is his last chance? So the last chance you think comes from like so like say for example football, they get all like these there's these junior colleges who recruit a lot of guys who basically flamed out at say like a Bama or a Florida. Sure, and, and they so like all these four or five star recruits who flame out there, and there's dickheads or whatever they do something get wrong, in, get in trouble for bad attitudes or you know smoking the weed or whatever it may be. Sure, and so you know they need a last chance. That's where the show name comes from. So they go to this junior college and they just get all these high recruits and they're basically a D one college playing JUCO and winning national titles, and so they you know they perform at. Juco College, and then they find another team to go play for. Just a way to go re re rekindle your stock, kind of so to speak, or, or go and repair your your uh, your image. Exactly. Yes. Interesting. It's interesting. Uh, you should give it a shot. I'll, I'll have to give it a shot. Yeah, I'm gonna have to add it to my list of, of uh, Netflix shows that I'll hopefully get to at some point. I need 24 hours in a day is just not enough. I know there should be more. I need like a 30 hour day, or just less time spent working. Yeah, that'd be nice too. Yeah. And less like wives and stuff. <laughs> they take up a lot of your time, John. Yes, I believe that. So they're needy. But I like this Texas Tech team. I don't know if they've got the – I don't know what their ceiling is in terms of I, – I could see this team kind of going both direct. I, I'm kind of on the fence in terms of I, I think they're going to be good. I really, my gosh, that quarterback was like five yards in front of the line of scrimmage on that throw. That was insane. Which, which one are you watching? Uh, I got the Giants-Cowboys game on, and, and okay. it's Mike Glennon, who has the longest neck. Of, like, he is, you know, in like the uh, like the land before time back in the day with the dinosaurs and stuff. I mean, he is a long neck. Bigger than Nathan Peterman? Or longer than Nathan Peterman? Uh, great question. I, I haven't seen yeah. what Nathan Peterman looks like lately, but let's, man, let's Glennon is like 6'6", six, six, but I swear, he's like 6'1 with a normal neck. <laughs> uh, anyway, Texas Tech. I could see them. I, I could see them being good. I could also see them being bad. I, I don't know what it is. Like I, I just think because there's 
it's kind of like Texas where they just have a lot of a lot of new pieces, right? I mean, a new coach who a lot of his old guys left um, or some of his old guys left. They're bringing in just so many new guys that it's like it's hard to it's just hard to know what what's going to work. I do I really like Kevin McCuller. He's a guy who who was injured a little bit last year. He played a lot as a freshman and he, he, when he's on the floor, it just seems like he's one of those guys. He's a lot like you where he just makes winning plays and he's good defensively. He's, he's tough as nails. He can play, he can play kind of the four. He can be an undersized five and kind of the really small ball lineups. I've even heard, I think there were, there were some rumors that he's going to like take on more ball handling duties this year and, and play a little more on the point guard position. I, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if I see that, but I, I could see him being a, a quality kind of secondary playmaker for them. I think he's going to be a really good piece, but I just don't know if they have enough like scoring. I, I feel like, I don't know, they're going to need like O'Banner and Shannon, and I guess Davion Warren coming up from Hampton. I mean, that's a big jump. They have good depth. I guess I just don't know if they have enough oomph. Right. Okay, let's move on. My next one, Biggs. National champion, the Baylor Bears. Let's reflect for a second. Are we are we sleeping on Baylor too much? I know there's a thing it feels like in the media where the team that won the national title the year before just automatically they could have literally an entirely new team of D2 transfers and because they won the title before they'd be ranked really high. Are we underselling Baylor a little bit or 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 do we think like I don't know. What do you what do you think of Baylor? Do you think they're do you think they're going to be overrated, underrated? What do you what well, do you think? Our rankings out like are they like what are they ranked right now? Or what do I don't know what they're ranked, ranked actually. I guess I would I would bet. When I think a fair ranking would be about fifteen. Fifteen, okay, yeah. Yeah, I would say anywhere anywhere in that ten to fifteen range. I I bet you. I bet you they're somewhere around there. I bet you they're closer to ten. Okay, and you know they obviously lost a lot of talent: Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, and Masio Teague, all gone. All I believe all three of them are TNB. I'm not sure about Teague to be honest. Um, their biggest addition is James Akinjo coming from Arizona. You know, you talked about Remy Martin and his empty stats or empty calorie or whatever it was. Um, but Akinjo averages 15 points per game as well as five and a half assists per game. So he does, he is able to, um, you know, facilitate at least a little bit. You know, their only other, I suppose two other additions, uh, they get a five-star freshman, number 17 ranked Kendall Brown. A four-star, but right around that top 25 in Langston Love, a shooting guard. They get a D2 transfer from Fairmount State, who averaged 21 points per game last year, Dale Bonner. But like I said, just lost so much talent at the guard spot. You know, Akinjo sort of is a bit of a Band-Aid there. They're going to have, like, Flagler's a nice piece. He's obviously a great shooter. Um, you know, I've talked talked before about my boy Jonathan T-squared, Chama Chachua. You know, he's just sort of that junkyard dog on the inside. And then the mullet man, Matthew Mayer, he's also going to be relied on a little bit more this year. Yeah, Matthew Meyer is going to have a uh, – he's going to have a big kind of cult following, I feel like, because he does – he's the big, goofy, white dude with the with the flow. And, like, he goes and he'll, he'll, like, knock down a three, and then all of a sudden, like, he'll go dunk on someone too. And, like, yep. I'm a little worried about – giving him a little too much rope though. If he has too big, I think he was in a perfect role last year where like he was, he would come in and like, if he were hot, you leave him in. And and if it wasn't working, you, you just put his ass on the bench and it's like, all right, we're, you know what I mean? Like he's one of those microwave guys and he can shoot you into a game or out of a game, but like he didn't play a big enough role to shoot them out of games. 
He only would shoot in the in the games if he was making enough shots. I think he's I think he's going to have to like play a bigger role now where he could put, there could be some potentially ugly kind of shoot you out ofness to him. So I'm a, I'm a little worried about that, but but I also could see him being like an 18 and 9 kind of guy like just piling up points because he's he is just he's fun to watch. He's super entertaining. Yeah. Um I love Chamwa Chachua, your guy T squared. He's a load inside. And uh, and Flagler was good off the bench for them too. Like he was a guy who he was I think the freshman of the year in in maybe the in the SoCon maybe two or three years ago whenever he was a freshman and then he transferred up and so I I could see him I mean he's got the scoring chops to like add to that you know he could be like a thirteen to fifteen a game guy can you get can you get good stuff out of a Kinjo you know it's the same thing as as Bill Self with Remy Martin do you trust uh you know Scott Drew to get the, the good stuff out of a Kinjo and mitigate kind of some of the shot hunting, you know, inefficiency stuff. I, I don't know. I, I think he's the best coach that El Kinjo will have had. Sometimes it's it's just hard with those guys. Like, can you change your stripes? You know, what what are they? Who is that? Is that about zebras? Do they say zebras don't yeah, change their stripes? Zebras. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. I suppose cheetahs have spots. They don't have stripes. So, does a cheetah change its spots? Is that a thing? Have you ever? St- you know, if English teaching doesn't work out, you have a chance of being a oh my god. He's not a biologist, is it? Bank no. robber? Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> I, I think Kendall I mean the the freshmen though are uh, Kendall Brown and Langston Love are going to be, I think, relied upon. And and Brown is an interesting one because I, I think he's going to he's gonna be rated really, really high when it comes to like mock draft season. And I mean he's a big athletic, he's like six seven, chiseled body. Really athletic kid. Um, he's from Minnesota. He he has no jump shot to speak of, but like he is a menace on the defensive end of the floor, and he's going to get out in transition and be a guy who just throws down some insane dunks. So I, I think he's going to be an exciting guy. Uh, he's going to win the layup line. He's going to probably pl- – I could see him playing a pretty big role for them. And then LJ Cryer was a high-rated uh, freshman last year who just didn't play a ton because Baylor was loaded. I could see yep. him being a guy that, that gets some big minutes for them eventually as the year goes on. Um, and then love too. They, so three guys off the bench who are freshmen slash sophomores who are all, I, I think there's, there's some, some ceiling to this team. That's uh, intriguing, but it's just guys who, who just haven't had the chance to show what they can do because last year's team was just so loaded. Yeah. And then, you know, the, Possibly not the possible issue. The concern here is that can you know can they sustain this? Can they keep their program going even with losing all this talent? And I don't think there's you know we said it with Chris Beard. I don't think it's I don't think there's many coaches, many other coaches in the country I would trust more than Scott Drew in that role. Yeah, he just feels like he's figured it out. You know, five, six, seven years ago, Scott Drew was kind of a punchline. You know, because Baylor would they would get the really highly rated recruits and just underachieve. You know, it just felt like there were times where the team just wasn't playing as well as kind of the talent on paper suggested it should. And and now it seems like he's kind of done what Jay Wright did, where he, he's really leaned into like the, we're going to develop guys. We're going to grow people and make them better. They take on transfers from from these smaller, like Macy Oteague and, and Flagler are these up transfers who, who come there and they find their niche and they really develop and turn into studs. It feels like he's just kind of really comfortable with where they're at now. I don't know. I, 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 like, I like this Scott Drew where it just feels like he – He's super comfortable with who he is, and and it feels like Baylor as a program just knows exactly what it is. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. 
Um, let's see. I've got one more tier two team, Biggs, and it is West Virginia. I thought about the only other team I thought about would have been Oklahoma, but I just think they lost too much. Um, but West Virginia, you know, they lose um, Deuce McBride, they lose Derek Culver. Um, they get obviously they return Sean McDeal and Taz Sherman, both guards who average double figures. Malik Curry is a transfer in from Old Dominion, who will probably slide in that guard spot. Jalen Bridges is a guy who, who he's coming into his second year, and if I remember correctly, you know he was a freshman last year, um, and basically slid into the starting role when uh, Oscar Shibway transferred midseason, and you know he put up put up some not outrageous stats or anything, but good enough stats, especially for a freshman. So he's sort of a guy I can see being a breakout candidate this year. And then, you know, we talk about coaches we trust. Bob Huggins is a guy who he's just a system guy, you know, like West Virginia is, you know, in your face. That's why they get the mantra press Virginia. And so I think that's sort of where they succeed. And it makes it easier to replace talent. If, if your, um, if your identity is defense, I think. Yeah, strange, strangely enough, last year's West Virginia team, the identity it, got it got away from defense. I mean, they were kind of a they were an offensive show with with McBride and Culver as kind of the inside outside duo. And I, I think this team will get back to playing that defense, which which makes me feel a little more comfortable, even if the guys coming back aren't. I mean, you look at some of the points a game, and you're talking like some of these teams like Texas and Kansas are in the 120 range. What's West Virginia at? Like probably 70, 65. I mean, it's just wow, it's you almost nailed it there. 64 and a half. 64 and a half, which is, which is almost the half of 125, you know, that's right in that range. So it's not great, but I, but I am, I'm, I, I'm kind of with you where I trust Huggins to, to get this team back into maybe that grinder mentality. I, I tend to think, I don't know, the vibes I got from, from Derek Culver were, I'm too good for this. I don't want to be here. Just give me the ball and let me go get buckets kind of guy. And like, I, I think that's going to be maybe an addition by subtraction, even if he averaged 14 and nine. Um, and McBride was a really good one. I think that'll hurt because he was, he was as he was as fun a, a fun uh, a guy to watch in, in terms of just smooth and like a bucket getter type in college last year. He was fun to watch, and you know they're going to miss that. But I do think McNeil is a kid who can who can really light it up. You know, with his shooting ability, he had some games last year where it's like, whoa, get get this kid. He's shooting like the flame. The flames are coming out of the ball when he shoots it. McNeil's a guy who, you know, when we started doing this whole podcast thing, we created a Twitter. McNeil is one of the first players I tweeted about because there's one night where he just had like five or six three pointers in the first half. The dude can stroke it. He can. And and I think Sherman will have a bigger role this year. And I think there's there's some juice where I think he could he could put up some points if he has a little more opportunity. Um so yeah, I, I do. I think they're gonna get back to playing a little more defense though. And I tend to think I actually would have Oklahoma ahead of them myself. But I think they're kind of in that same range where uh, I think the outcomes are are pretty secure in that like four to seven range in the conference. Okay. Let's see. Let's move into tier three here, and we'll just go straight to that team we just talked about. Um, Oklahoma, who has a first-year head coach in Porter Moser. You know, the long their longtime coach, Long Kruger, retires after last season. Does not have a farewell tour. He's more of a Roy Williams than a Coach K. So hmm. credit to him. They get one of the, you know, you talked about um, Texas Tech. I can't think of his name right now. You talked about, I'm still looking for it. Not Texas Tech. Damn it. Uh, you talked about Matthew Meyer from Baylor. Yeah. And with, with the mullet, how he's sort of like the guy who can be like the guy who everyone on Twitter is tweeting about. Well, Tanner Groves was that guy a year ago. 
for Eastern Washington during the tournament has he had like the sort of the lumberjack beard, if you remember. Yeah. And I, I can't remember that. I can't remember who they upset, but he's well. They they the they were beating Kansas, I think, at halftime. Talk about capitalizing on like a moment. They were playing one of the early slate games where there just wasn't much else going on, and so like he became like a folk hero because they had a lead on Kansas in the first half, and they they almost I think they ended up they lost obviously, and it was a tight game. But he had like the two brothers combined for like sixty points or something. I mean, he put on a show. He was great. I mean. I don't know if I don't know if a week before that anybody who had ever heard of Tanner Groves thought this guy's going to transfer. He has that monster game against Kansas, and now he parlays that into a a a, a, a Big Twelve you know scholarship. Yeah, and so you know he comes in averaging seventeen and eight. They have a guy named Marvin Johnson coming in from Eastern Illinois. You know another transfer up, averaging fifteen points per game. Ethan Chargois, I believe is how it's pronounced, coming in from SMU, almost nine points per game, and also Tanner Groves' brother. Jacob Groves transfers in from Eastern Washington. Um, but they just lost so damn much, and they're going to rely a lot on up transfers, and that's, what's worried, that's what worries me about this team. Yeah, that's the difference between, you know, when we're talking like Texas has has six big-time transfers from major college teams. It's a little easier to imagine those kind of guys translating just, I don't know, they've, because they've played the major-level conference grind. Tanner Groves... Had, had a big game against Kansas in the tournament. Can he have a big game against Kansas and then two nights later be playing against Texas and do the same thing again? You know? Not as it's not as sustainable. No, it's not. It's gonna it's gonna be a lot harder to sustain, exactly. And and, and honestly, the, the harder probably will be on the defensive end of the floor. You know, these guys, you know, in one in one big game where you've put all your effort into into that game and you blow your wad on it, you know, but can they defend, right? Can these guys all defend when they're playing against higher-level athletes every night and you have to game plan and all that stuff? So I, I tend to think Groves and Johnson – actually, Jacob Groves, too, is another kid who I, th- I could see actually being a pretty good player. But, you know, does it take them a little while to get kind of familiar and, and acclimate themselves to that league? You know, I think there, are, there will be some challenges, but I actually, I actually kind of really like this Oklahoma team. I think I think all three of those guys transferring up, their numbers will go down, um, but I do think they'll they'll still be quality players. They have Gibson and Harkless back, who who are quality guys in the backcourt for them. Um, and I actually really like you know talk about a kid who who made a mistake and he's rectifying the mistake. Maybe I know he, you're going to say it too. <laughs> he learned his lesson. It took him a few years, but you know what? Better late than never. Everybody, it's never too late, right? You're never. No one is ever lost. There's always a path to redemption. Yep. And, and I think Jordan Goldwire finally took that path. He he finally yep. decided, you know what? I don't need Duke anymore. I've made a horrible mistake of myself. What have I done? I need to better myself. And that's we're a pro bettering yourself podcast. Jordan Goldwire is bettering himself. He went to Oklahoma. I think he's a good player. He was always a guy who at Duke was kind of a laughingstock guy because Duke only cares about flash and sizzle and five stars and dunking and three-point shooting. And he was just a grinder who worked hard. And nobody cares about that in this Twitter new world that we live in where where everything has to be a highlight. Jordan Goldwire will make nobody's highlight list. But but I think he's just going to be a solid, steady piece. I don't know if he starts, whatever, but he's going to play minutes and he's going to be good. Yeah. And, you know, I, I imagine what happened is, you know, he was all set. You know, he heard about this extra year of eligibility because of COVID. He's like, yep, I'm going to play at Duke. And then he just sees the circus act by Coach K you know, announcing that he's retiring, but, you know, not yet. You know, I want my attention. And Jordan Goldwire took the high road. He's like, you know what? I don't want to be a part of that. I'm going to get out of here. I don't want to be 
part of this just self-centered nonsense. So I'm going to go to Oklahoma. And credit to him. And actually, in all seriousness, he is a great defensive player. I'll give him that. He is yeah, a guy he, who, he's a dog. You know, like yeah, he's one he of those guys who face. you just like can't stand, right? Yep. I wonder if it was the moment when Duke's con- was their, when their non-conference schedule came out and there were four pictures of Coach K. I wonder if that was what really broke it for him. <sighs> I hope so because that was so ridiculous. It's insane. It <laughs> so is so ridiculous. Yeah. Let's not put pictures of our players who are actually on the court. Let's put a picture of our self-centered coach, mm-hmm. or not not just one though, four of them. I mean, yeah, one's not enough. We need four. <laughs> Uh, Biggs, let's, let's tell me about TCU. Uh, they are Texas Christian University. They have generally got a decent football team. I'm trying to think, where is TCU? It is in um, Fort, not Fort Knox. What's what's the what's the what's the town? Oh, you are close. You have the fort, right? Fort Worth. Yeah, Fort Worth, Texas. Texas Christian. I don't know. What is there to know about them? They were kind of bad last year. I don't think they're going to be a whole lot better. They have some interesting transfers just because every team in the Big 12 seemed to load up on transfers. But I, I don't know. They also lost a handful of guys to, to transfers. And so I don't really know what to expect. I, I think they're probably going to be towards the bottom end of the, of the conference. Um, but also a team where there's enough pieces where I could see them Winning a game or two during the year, where you're like, "How the hell did they? How the hell did they lose to that team?" Oh, because TCU actually has some guys who have been decent. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean they've got some interesting up transfers, and that's why I have them in tier three, just because I could possibly see them. You know, if everything meshes together, getting into like that, where they're actually on TV, like on Selection Sunday a little bit, but then like maybe they don't, maybe they make it, maybe they don't. That sort of situation, I could see that. Yeah. Um. You know, Shadow Wells is a guy coming in from Arlington. Emmanuel Miller is probably their biggest addition, average 16 and 8 at Texas A&M. Yep. But, I mean, you're right. They're probably on the outside looking in, and that's why they are Tier 3. But, I don't know. I, I could see a, some excitement out of this team this year. I could, too. I mean, Emmanuel Miller, you, you mentioned him, I and mean, he was a, a really solid piece at Texas A&M for the last two years. He's kind of an undersized, kind of athletic foreman. Cassius McNally is a uh, another guy who was a top 100 transfer a couple or a top 100 recruit a couple of years ago, and he's he's been he's dealt with a bunch of injuries. Uh, could be a guy that that you look up halfway through the year and it's like where where'd this guy come from? I I, I could see that him having a solid year. Micah Peavy's another one who was he the one? I mean he played at Texas Tech last year as a freshman. And, Did he and transfer? Had, was he a midseason transfer? No, I think I think that was that was Burnett who went to Alabama. Okay, but that PV was a solid piece for Texas Tech last year as a freshman. I mean, you, Chris Beard, it's hard to play as a freshman, and he was a guy who who gave them. I mean, his scoring wasn't a ton, but I mean, he played great defense. He's just an athletic kind of wing. I could see him being a guy who who earns some minutes uh, on the wing again. Uh, but yeah, and Mike Miles averaged thirteen and a half as a freshman, so maybe that maybe he you know takes another jump or just continues. With that, uh, I, I do think with with Jamie, was it Jamie? Not Jamie. Fo- I got Dixon. Jamie Fox. Jamie, Jamie Fox. Yeah, Jamie Dixon. He's got he's got kind of the slicked back, kind of hair, kind of look that uh, that I'm kind of going for. I think with my hair, although I want to have more of a mullet, you know, kind of longer hair, so I can so I can put it in kind of a. Uh, you want to be like you know, Matthew Meyer? Yeah, I want to be like Matthew Meyer or Matthew McConaughey. You know, something okay. like that. If I could be that Fair. handsome, that'd be great. Fair. But, he he's generally had teams at TCU who play really good offense, like teams that that score a ton and they play kind of fast. They get up and down. 
So maybe they won't be that good, but, you know, maybe they can be entertaining. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into tier four. And, you know, I talked about these teams in the intro here, Biggs. Two teams who I'm worried are going to be, have sort of that championship hangover. You know, they're part of the Big 12. They are part of the best conference in college basketball. But can Kansas State and Iowa State handle all the success and, and what comes with success and having to c- continue that success? Can they do it? You think it's getting to their head a little bit? Maybe. Yeah, you, you do worry about that a little bit. If they if they just get too comfortable, they rest on their laurels a little bit. Yeah, Big 12 won the national title last year. But, um, hey, we got to focus on this year, Kansas State. You know, what you did last year in the Big 12 doesn't matter at all. Or what the Big 12 did last year in the tournament doesn't matter. Now you have to be as good as you can be this year. Yep. And I think they're going to be pretty bad. You know, they've got, to, they've got some interesting guys who played a lot last year as freshmen in, in Selton Miguel. Davion Bradford up front and, and Ni- Nigel Pack. Is it Ni- Nigel Pack? Nihel? Yeah. I don't even know. I, I believe it's Nigel. And Mike McGurl is another one. And Mike sure. McGurl played a lot. You know, three guys, though, who played a lot of minutes as freshmen who are now sophomores and, you know, could be all kind of breakout caliber pieces. But I tend to think this team is a little bit like that Butler team we talked about last, uh, whatever, when that, whenever that was that we talked about Butler, where it's like, I think they. I think they're in they're in like phase two of like the rebuild. You know, it's not a team. Kansas State is never going to be a team that just rinse, repeat, load up again the next year kind of thing. They had their run a couple of years ago where they had a couple of solid tournament runs, and then they hit their downswing. And now I think they're hopefully last year was maybe like uh, toward the bottom, and now I think they're going to take another step forward. But I think there's still a lot of teams that are in front of them. Yeah, and you know. I think you you hit all the main guys for Kansas State, so I'll just talk a little bit about Iowa State here. And you know they lost four of their starters on a bad team, a team that went two and twenty-two a year ago. They do get sort of a little new lifeline. They hired TJ Otzelberger from UNLV, and they do add some talent. Um, They got some talent coming in via transfers and freshmen. Isaiah Brockington is probably the biggest name, a guard from Penn State, averaged twelve points, four rebounds. Um, Robert Jones is a big guy coming in, average nine and five, but yeah, there's just not much, not much hope for this team. I don't think. I think you know, can TJ Otzelberger bring this team, you know, to be you know what they used to be back in the days of who, who's DeAndre Kane? I remember there's a year that they beat North Carolina in the tournament, and that's why I remember these guys. And was it? It must have been Hoiberg, the coach at that time. Yeah, it was Hoiberg. That George Niang. George Nia. So they, they've had some good years in the past, you know, 10 years, but those just seem to be so far, so, so far in the rearview mirror. So it's definitely going to be a rebuilding year. Um, but I don't, know. I don't have much expectation for this team. I'm really excited to see Tyrese Hunter in the Isaiah Brockington backcourt. I think there's a chance that that could be uh, really fun to watch. I, I'm intrigued by that Tyrese Hunter. He's an undersized kind of, kind of under, he's an undersized. Underappreciated. Uh, tough mind. Yeah, under everything, right? He's he's undersized, underappreciated, under uh sold, underrated. Uh, he's just under all the things. He, he's small, but I, but I think he's going to be tough as nails. And, and like he's a quality, he's a highly rated recruit. Like he's a top like 40 recruit. So I think he's going to have a lot of rope for them. Uh, him and Brockington in the backcourt I think could be intriguing. I, I don't think it's going to result to a lot of wins. Uh, Rob Jones averaged nine and five at Denver, so it wasn't like he's he's not coming from uh, from somewhere big. I mean, he was a, a really 
a really mid-major recruit coming out of Minnesota in 2020, I think. He was a freshman last year, maybe, no, 2019. Uh, they bring in Gabe Kalsher, who's transferring from Minnesota, who was really good as a freshman, knocking down 40% of his threes. And then the last two years, it's been like 40% three-point shooting combined, but like 20 and 20 the last two years. Like, he's just been broke. So... Maybe he can maybe he can make uh, you know get back to being comfortable and playing, but I, I just think this team's bad, and I don't think Otzelberger, to be honest with you, I, I don't know if he's all that good of a coach. So like I don't I don't know he they don't even get like a coach bump for me. No, and so okay, should we get into our predictions now? Yeah, we should. All right, do you want to go first or am I? You can go first. Okay, so all conference, I got to come up with five guys here, and so. I've talked about it in past ones where I don't like having two guys from the same team. Well, I have it in this one, and I'll get to that in a bit. Okay. But uh, first guy coming in from, you know, Arizona – or not Arizona, Arizona State, you know, going to to Kansas is Remy Martin. You know, I think he's in a a good situation. He's got – you know, you talked about having a better coach this year. And so I think he's going to have a big year for them. I think Avery Anderson at Oklahoma State is going to benefit both from just sort of the confidence he gained late in last season, you know, having – I think if I looked in, like, say, January or February, he probably only averaged, like, eight or nine points per game. Then he he finished with 12.2. So he definitely finished the season very, very strong. And I think just being the guy this year as well is going to help him sort of push him over that hump and being an all-conference guy. Um. Timmy Allen coming over from Utah and going to Texas, I think he'll have a good year. I think he will slide into that uh, four spot for them. And then Texas is the team where I have two guys. And I just want to trade Mitchell just because, you know, he is a big, big body. And I think he could be – he might be, be like the best post player in this conference this season. Um, and then, you know, really the other post player who I think could challenge him and who was also on my team is Kevin O'Banner at Texas Tech coming in from Oral Roberts. And you know, he's a guy who he plays sort of the four spot, but he's sort of a stretch four. He can he can definitely stroke it from from three-point line. Um, so Remy Martin, Avery Anderson, Timmy Allen, Kevin O'Banner, and Trey Mitchell. I like it. I like it. I actually have a, a couple of those same guys. I will agree with you with Remy Martin. I think Bill Self is the coach that will get – uh, the good stuff out of him, mitigate the bad stuff from him. And, and I think Kansas is going to just win a ton of games, you know, and, and he's going to put up good numbers, uh, 16 to 20 a game probably, four or five assists. Uh, I think Kansas is going to hum most of the year and, and be rated in the top five, contend in the Big 12. Uh, I'm with you on Avery Anderson. I think he's actually – that it might be a little out of left field, but I, I think he could be the player of the year in the league. I think his numbers are going to be going to be really big. Even though they've got good depth, I I just I love that Avery Anderson man. I, I don't know what his second half of the year numbers look like, but I could see a, a fifteen to eighteen points, uh, four assists, kind of five rebounds. He just stuffs the stat sheet, and, and I think he's gonna have he's gonna be a household name by by middle of next year. Yep. Uh, I will go with Kevin O'Banner as not Kevin O'Banner. I'm sorry, Kevin McCuller from Texas Tech. So I have a Texas Tech guy, but I'm gonna go with McCuller. Uh, because he's another guy that I think is going to stuff the stat sheet. I would pick O'Banner probably to lead them in scoring, him or Shannon. But I think McCullough is going to be a guy who averages like 12, 7, 4. He just does a little bit of everything and is going to be maybe a defensive player of the year candidate in the league. I, I just love the stuff he brings to the table, on just kind of in everything. He just does it all. 
And so I, I have him him stepping it up. I'll go with um, I'll go with Trey Mitchell as well from Texas. I tend to think with Texas, there's just they're all going to cannibalize each other in terms of stats. So I could see, I could see Carr being the guy in this one. I could see. I Andrew feel like Cole. you have to have one from Texas, though. I do too. And so I tend to think Trey Mitchell is going to put up. He's just man. I mean, the amount of easy buckets that that kid should have the opportunity to get with all those guards that create, uh, he should be able to put up some big time numbers. Assuming he can, assuming he plays defense, if he gives a crap on defense, I th- that'll be the key. Because there was some talk that he just does not care about defense. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably not going to play for Chris Beard if you don't care about defense. So, I'm assuming he does, and I'm assuming he will. And my last one, how many do I have? I have Remy Martin. I have Kevin McCuller. I have Avery, Avery Anderson. Anderson. Trey Mitt. I think that's four. That's four. Uh, I got to have one more, don't I? Yes, there. It is a five-person team. What happened to my last guy? Uh, I'll go with Matthew Meyer. I'll, I'll lean into it. I think he's going to have – I could see him having um, – I'm a little nervous. I, I do think there's some feast or famine kind of stuff going on potentially with him where he plays too big of a role and ends up hurting his team a little bit. But I also could see him just going nuclear on the bit and being like a poor man's Adam Morrison where he, where he averages like 20 a game and like lights it up and Baylor's actually really solid. So I'll lean into that one and I'll say Matthew Meyer is my last one. Who you got for freshman of the year? Can we count the uh, Can we count the freshmen who were freshmen last year, even though they get the COVID year, like uh, like Musa Cisse and? No, they be eligible. They technically might be freshmen, but I, I won't do that to you. Okay. I will say my freshman of the year is going to be. Uh, I'll go with Kendall Brown just because I think he's going to have the biggest path to like a a lot of playing time. He's probably going to put up good enough numbers, and I think Baylor's going to win a lot. I think Tyrese Hunter, the numbers he's going to put up at Iowa State are going to be pretty robust. Um, but I think they're just going to be so bad that no one's going to care. And, and I think Kendall Brown will have enough kind of the pedigree carries him. He'll be on some mock drafts, so people will actually like care and watch him. And I think Baylor's going to win a lot, and he's going to contribute. Yeah, you know, it's sort of interesting with this conference with all the talents coming in via the transfer portal that there just isn't as many freshmen to pick from. No. And so I'm scrolling through these rosters here and I see all these four-star guys and like, which is fine. Like a four-star guy could be freshman of the year and has happened before, but it's typically in a good situation. Like the best case for that this year would be Tyrese Hunter, who you talked about, who is probably going to start point guard for them. But even with that, like like you said, like they're just gonna be an afterthought. And I also have Kendall Brown. Sorry, we are very boring. But Kendall Brown is just a guy who he might not start. He could he could probably push for a starting spot at some point in the season. I don't think it'll be right away. But with all of the their guards leaving from a year ago, I think that he will get a lot of playing time. So whether he's starting or not, I think he's gonna have a lot of opportunity to show out and become freshman of the year. Yeah, I, I generally, I mean, you say like four star four star freshmen can win conference play. I, I would I would bet that four star freshmen more often than not win conference freshmen of the so. year, even even when there's five star guys. But as you mentioned, there's just not a lot of paths to playing time for a lot of freshmen because of so many transfers throughout this league. I tend to think Kendall Brown will start right away. Um, I, I actually think it'll probably be something like a Kinjo Flagler, Meyer Brown, and either Double T or Flotamba. 
yeah. up, up front. So I mean, I usually do think he'll start. Either way, I think I think you're right. He's going to play 25 minutes a game, and, and his defense will get him on the court right away. Even if his jump shot uh, is pretty gross looking, um, you know, he looks like a freshman, right? The jump shot just is probably not always there, but I think his defense is going to get him on the floor. It's going to get him some, into the open floor and get him some dunks and stuff like this. He's going to be a highlight guy right away. So I think that's gonna that's gonna at least get him attention. Is his jump shot better or worse than Masiotis? I I don't think it, it, well Macy Oteague actually made jump shots like he was but a pretty it, good it shooter. It was bad. Like he had like a double clutch thing going on. Remember? Yeah, it was weird. I I it's yeah. it's I don't think it's probably. It might be that ugly. I mean, it might be uglier than that, but also like the result is going to be pretty ugly. I don't think he's going to shoot a very high percentage in terms of like he might shoot a pretty high percentage because he does nothing but score in the paint. If he has to take threes, though, I, I would bet he shoots under thirty percent from the three point line. Sorry, I had to yawn there. Sorry, I'm boring you. <laughs> All right, let's get into coach there. Coach of the year. Who you got? Um, I will go with Chris Beard just because I think Texas, A, they're they're going to be highly rated at the beginning of the year, probably in the top five. But because there's so many transfers, I think Chris Beard will probably get some, some, uh, some pub, assuming they do well. I'll go with Chris Beard. Okay. And I'm going to go with Mike Boynton. And, you know, we talked – earlier in the show about how there could be some sort of sanctions coming down. But again, let's just assume that they're going to be tournament, you know, eligible. Um, and Oklahoma state, we talked about it's just a team that came on strong last year. So they have a lot of momentum, but they're still like not in that upper S upper echelon. They're not on the level of Kansas and Texas. And those are usually the teams that get the coach of the year. So I'm going with Mike Boynton. Agreed. I like I like that a lot. I think I'll go with Avery Anderson as my player of the year. So I didn't want to do too much Oklahoma state. Who's player of the year? I could see that. I could see him. I could see really any of the Kansas guys also. Yeah, I could too. I could see Remy yeah. Martin if he if he yeah. actually plays. Uh, I mean, he was an All-American in the, in the preseason last year for Arizona State. It just didn't really – it did not work out very well at Arizona State. But something that situation just smells uh, – it just smelled of uh, – it, it reeked of um, – What's the word? Chaos. I don't know. It just it felt very <laughs> off kilter. Everything felt a little out of place there. Yeah. So yeah, that is your Big Twelve preview, and I'm I'm a little excited about this one. We've talked about Big East, but I feel like this one has sort of a lot of those middle of the pack teams. They just don't have as many teams in the conference. So, but I'm I'm excited about this conference this year, Bigs. I'm too. I mean, we're gonna get we're gonna get really exposed to it because it, it feels like the Big Twelve is on like three nights a week where it's nothing but Big Twelve basketball. Uh, so I would imagine by like mid February, I'm gonna be really sick of watching the Big Twelve. But I, I'm with you. I think I mean Kansas and Texas. I do think are legitimate national title worthy teams and will be probably rated in the top five. And they'll both be playing kind of big time games all throughout the preseason. So we'll see some really interesting non-con matchups with both those teams. Um, but I actually do think there's some other teams that are really intrigued. I, I love the Oklahoma State team. I actually think Oklahoma is going to be better than than a lot of people are expecting. Uh, Baylor obviously carries uh, the weight of defending their national title from last year, and I think they've, they've got heightened expectations now where it's not just little old Baylor. I think it's like, hey, we expect you now to be a top, you know, uh, top 10 team basically no matter who you got. So that'll be interesting to see how they handle that. Um, 
And Texas Tech. I, I would say Texas Tech and Oklahoma are in that same kind of boat where they're replacing really good coaches, and there's some there's some bones to a roster. There's a path to them being really good. It's just they have to put the pieces together. Yeah, and so we'll be back next week. I think all that we have left, Biggs, is the SEC and the Big Ten. Uh, so I think the Big Ten will be the next one, and we'll finish off the SEC. And then after that, we'll do sort of just a conference basketball as a whole preview. And so, you know, we're getting pretty close to the season. Let me just talk for a bit, Biggs, and I'm going to pull up Rothstein and see, like, how many days we have left. Well, we've got to have, like, what, maybe 30 days left? We're, we're getting close here. I think the first game, if I'm not mistaken, the first kind of early part of the season, I'm, I'm getting distracted because I'm watching the Ooh, I got a big thing here. We've got hey, Carrie got Underwood it. singing. Are oh, we about boy. 30 days away? So... Rostin tweeted seven hours ago, and you are exactly right. We are 30 days away. He said four weeks from Tuesday, which is two weeks from tonight. We're recording on Sunday the 10th. He says four weeks from Tuesday there will be college basketball. Yeah, that's probably your your uh, your Duke and Kentucky, Michigan State, Kansas uh, event or whatever. What is that again? The the Champions Classic. Yep. That's probably what that is. And then I'm pretty sure like it. It hits hard, like in the in like the weeks leading up to Thanksgiving. There are some really good matchups. I'm pretty sure Gonzaga plays like two or three other good games. Um, Villanova plays UCLA somewhere early in the year, like in that first week of the season. There's some like really good non-conference, just like random matchups. And then obviously, like you've got the the Maui tournament, which is in Vegas. The Vegas like uh, thing that goes on where teams play the Atlantis tournament. A whole bunch of tournaments, obviously, around Thanksgiving time, but like. There's, there's some awesome non-conference stuff that I'm really excited for. And I don't know if that's just because the season seemed to end with such a thud last year at the end of the year or or what, but I, but I feel extra hyped about this basketball season coming up. All right. Let's get out of here. Okay. Bye. Bye.